Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Welcome to the Investing Insights Podcast from Morningstar. In this week's podcast, we're pleased to present Coping with the Financial Toll of COVID-19, a replay of a YouTube premiere event featuring Christine Benz, the Director of Personal Finance for Morningstar, Inc. Hi, I'm Christine Benz, Director of Personal Finance for Morningstar. Welcome to our YouTube premiere event. The coronavirus pandemic is first and foremost a health crisis, but it's also a financial crisis for a lot of us. So today I'm going to tackle some questions that have been coming up from our Morningstar.com users. I'll start by talking about something that's increasingly and unfortunately common, and that's people who have suffered an income disruption as a result of the pandemic. They have been forced to look for sources of cash in their investment accounts. So I'll discuss where you should look for cash if you need extra funds, and I'll also talk about the investments to leave alone if you possibly can. Next, I'm going to talk a little bit about the market environment because it has been unsettling for people who have been planning retirement and maybe hope to retire within the next five to 10 years. We've seen a lot of volatility in stocks, and that has really led people to question whether they can retire when they expected to. So I'll be talking a little bit about things to think about when evaluating your plan and maybe some course corrections to consider to help keep your plan on track. Also going to talk about what younger investors can do in this market environment. This may be the first really big volatile period that they've experienced in their investing lifetimes, and they may be feeling defensive, but I'll talk about some things that they can do to actually improve their portfolio's plan and take advantage of the volatility to help enhance their long-term returns. And finally, I'm going to address a group that I focus a lot on in my work on Morningstar.com, and that's for people who are already retired. This has been an unsettling period, not only because the stock market has been really volatile, but also because we've seen yields go way down on safer investments. And so that leaves people who are looking to extract income from their portfolios, really turning over every rock and not finding a lot of great options. So I'll discuss some options for people who are in that situation, how they can extract cash flows from their in-retirement portfolios to keep income disruptions from derailing their plans. So I'll be available to chat and answer questions during the presentation, so don't hesitate to reach out with those. And also visit Morningstar.com if you're looking for more articles and videos along these lines. We have a lot of things on the very topics that I'll discuss during the course of this presentation. Where can I get cash if my income has slowed and or stopped? So let's get right into a question that has been coming up a lot these days, and it's about where people who have suffered an income disruption or maybe some sort of an income shortfall, maybe their hours have been cut, where they can turn for cash if they need it. So the obvious answer to this question is that you should have an emergency fund that equals like three to six months worth of your living expenses. You should have that in non-retirement accounts so you can tap it without penalties. And you should keep the money really liquid, meaning that you can access it without disrupting your long-term investments. The problem is three to six months worth of living expenses is a heavy lift for a lot of people. And many people simply don't have that type of cash cushion lying around. So the question is, if your cash cushion is depleted, what's your next best 
source of cash. So we're going to talk through some of the options here today. One of the best sources of cash would be non-retirement accounts, so like a taxable brokerage account where you might also have some safe securities part. So maybe you have a short-term bond fund, for example, in the best case scenario. So in that situation, you won't incur taxes or certainly not a big tax bill to tap those accounts. You won't have any penalties because it's not a retirement account. It's sort of a next best case scenario if your emergency fund is depleted. If you have long-term assets in a taxable brokerage account, so maybe you're a stock investor in a taxable brokerage account, you may have some options there in that if you've recently purchased securities, like within the past few months, it's a good bet that those securities have dropped in value since you bought them. Stocks are down. So you may be able to sell those recently purchased lots and realize a tax loss. And so you can also unlock cash that way. So a taxable brokerage account would be one place to look. Not everyone has a taxable brokerage account. So some other options would include cash value on a whole life insurance policy. Here again, not everyone has a whole life insurance policy. Some people have term policies, so that may not be an option for you either. Moving over to retirement accounts, generally speaking, you really want to exercise caution when it comes to tapping your retirement accounts prior to retirement. And the big reason there is that you are going to be taking away from assets that you'll probably need in retirement. So that's the, the main reason. But another key reason is that you'll often incur taxes and penalties to get into your retirement accounts prematurely. So say you do need to access your retirement funds, your first line of defense there should be Roth IRAs. And the reason is that Roth IRA contributions can be withdrawn without taxes or penalties at any time and for any reason. So this is just the contribution piece of your Roth IRA. It doesn't pertain to any investment earnings and there are extra strings attached to tapping those assets. But the contributions are generally pretty liquid and it depends on what you have the money invested in, but that's usually your first source of retirement assets if it turn, turns out that you need to access your retirement funds. The CARES Act, which Congress passed into law at the end of March, loosens up the strictures on some other retirement accounts a little bit. So let's just talk through those and talk about what's changing. We'll start with 401k loans because I think that's generally better than an outright withdrawal of 401k funds. So with the CARES Act, uh, Congress authorized 401k plans to allow loans of up to $100,000 or 100% of the participant's vested balance, whichever amount is less. So you can take a larger loan from a 401k than you could in the past, assuming your plan allows it. And the nice thing about 401k loans versus borrowing from a third party is that you have to pay the money back into your account and the interest that you pay gets paid back into the account too. So it's generally preferable to paying that interest to a third party. 
The real knock against 401k loans is that if it turns out that you lose your job, and there's a lot of uncertainty around jobs right now, if you lose your job, you usually have to pay the money back in very short order. So typically within six months of your job loss. So that's the big risk attached to 401k loans. But generally speaking, a 401k loan will be better than tapping your retirement funds outright. Another change with the CARES Act is that you can circumvent the 10% penalty on IRA and 401k withdrawals. So usually there's a 10% penalty if you need to withdraw funds from your 401k or IRA prior to retirement. With the CARES Act, if you can prove that you have some COVID-19 related hardship, you can circumvent the 10% penalty. You will owe taxes on those withdrawals though. Uh, the good news is that the CARES Act allows you to pay those taxes over a three-year period, and it actually allows you to pay the money back into your accounts so the money isn't permanently removed. So it's definitely better to withdraw 401k or IRA funds than it was pre-CARES Act, but it's usually better to investigate a 401k loan or withdrawals of, for, of Roth IRA contributions prior to looking at a withdrawal. I want to talk a little bit about some things that you should try to avoid doing if you find yourself in a short-term cash crunch. Credit cards are an obvious thing to avoid. Uh, we all know well the high interest rates that can be attached to credit cards. Margin loans are another uh, type of financing to avoid if you possibly can. This is essentially taking a loan against the value of securities in a brokerage account. There are risks attached to doing that. It's generally not something you would want to put high up in the pile if you needed to identify additional sources of cash. Do I have to rethink my retirement plan during volatility? Now let's tackle another common financial worry these days, which is whether the recent volatility that we've had in the stock market and a little bit in the bond market could force you to rethink your retirement plan. So the key thing to think about in this situation is just how close you are to retirement. If you're within 10 years of retirement, I really do think it's a good idea to check up on the viability of your plan. Even though you often hear people say, don't peak, don't do anything during periods of market volatility. I think, uh, especially now that the dust has settled a little bit in the short term, it's a good time to do a checkup on the viability of your retirement plan. The gold standard in doing that is to sit down with a financial planner who will look at your total plan, will look at your total budget, your cash flow, how much you have set aside in retirement assets, and will give you some concrete strategies for coping with the current volatility. Alternatively, or perhaps in addition to sitting down with a financial planner, I like the idea of taking a spin through one of many retirement calculators that you can find online. So a couple of that I've often recommended include T. Rowe Price's Retirement Income Calculator. It's very holistic and comprehensive. It takes into account non-portfolio sources of income like Social Security. So it's encompassing, which is a positive. For more of a quick and dirty view of the 
viability of your retirement plan. I like, like Vanguard's nest egg calculator as well. But run through a few of these calculators. You'll plug in some variables about how much you've saved and how much you plan to save before you, you retire. And you'll get some guidance on whether your plan looks viable. So if it looks like you do have some work to do, I think it's worth thinking about the fact that you do have some tools at your disposal. So the obvious one is to think about working longer, which certainly a lot of people don't want to hear, especially if they're planning retirement within the next few years. But it can be incredibly impactful, even delaying retirement just a couple of years, because you are able to forestall withdrawals from your portfolio. You may be able to make additional contributions. You'll be able to delay Social Security, which is a real biggie when it comes to enlarging your overall benefit from Social Security. So delaying, social, delaying retirement is one possibility. You might also be able to look at making some adjustments on the lifestyle side of the ledger. So look at your planned in retirement spending and see if you might be able to make some adjustments there. If you are, it may turn out that you're able to retire exactly when you had hoped to because you're willing to cut your expenses in retirement. Big ticket uh, cuts might include relocating or downsizing to a smaller home, but you might also be able to identify some smaller parts of your budget to cut back to make your plan work. So first of all, try to get your arms around the viability of your plan and any changes that you might make to make it work. Then turn your attention to your investment portfolio. And there, I think it makes sense to start with your portfolio's mix of stocks and bonds and cash. And just look at whether you have enough earmarked in safer investments to tell, help tide you through the first years of your retirement. This is especially important for people who expect to retire within, say, the next five years. The last thing you would want during this volatile and uncertain period is to have a portfolio that's almost entirely stocks. Yes, the long-run potential of stocks is higher than is the case for cash and bonds, certainly today, but the volatility potential is higher, too. So if you retire with too much in stocks, there's too great a risk that you might need to sell some of those stocks to meet your cash flows when your portfolio is at a low ebb. So the takeaway here is that if you had planned to retire within the next five years, you definitely want to de-risk the portion of your portfolio that you would spend in the early years of your retirement. That means that you'd move it over into safer assets like cash and like bonds. You definitely don't want to overdo it with the safe stuff because the return potential is really, really low today. But you do want to hold enough in safe assets to secure your standard of living in the early years of your anticipated retirement. If you have a longer time frame to retirement, if you have, say, five or 10 years or even longer, there, my bias would be to wait before doing any sort of dramatic de-risking. The reason is that, as I said, yields on cash and bonds are really low, and you may be able to see some of your long-term assets recover. My bias in that situation, if you do have a longer time horizon to retirement, is to de-risk very slowly. So perhaps take some money off the table, move additional contributions that you're making into safer assets, but not take radical steps to do any de-risking at this point in time. 
For sure, it's an unsettling time for people who are getting close to retirement. But I think looking at those two key things on your dashboard, looking at the viability of your total plan and seeing if any course corrections are in order there, and also looking at your portfolio and seeing if any adjustments are in order there, those are two key things to be thinking about at this time. How can younger investors take advantage of the market volatility? Now let's tackle a question related to younger investors, which is how they can take advantage of the market's recent volatility to actually add to stocks when they're down. I love that question because it hits on a really crucial point. If you're getting close to retirement, as I just talked about, volatility is not your friend because you are seeing your stocks fall shortly before you retire. On the other hand, if you have a very long time horizon to retirement, these periodic bouts of market volatility are actually really advantageous to you, and they're a great time to think about adding to your investment portfolio. So a couple of things to think about if you are, say, 15 or 20 or more years from retirement. The first is that you'd want to think about bumping up your contribution rate if you possibly can. So if you move your 401k contribution rate up by even a percentage point, it may not seem like a lot and it may not feel like a lot in terms of the reduction to your paycheck, but it can be really tremendously beneficial over the course of your whole long time horizon. You might also think about automating your contributions to, say, an IRA. In 2020, the IRA contribution rate for people under age 50 is $6,000. If you're in a position to max out your IRA contribution, that's $500 a month gets you to that maximum annual allowable contribution. And that contribution is the same whether you're making Roth or traditional contributions. So revisiting your contribution rate is a great place to start. Some people who have student loans, federal student loans, have relief as part of the CARES Act to not have to pay on their loans for a little bit here. So that might be an idea as well to think about taking that money that you're not having to put towards your student loans during this period to actually add to your investment portfolio. Another thing I would say to younger investors who are looking to make smart decisions right now is to take advantage of any free sources of investment guidance that you have available. So a really obvious one would be some sort of a target date mutual fund, which are fixtures in 401k plans. And these are basically all-in-one investment options. They're designed to be appropriate for you, given your age, given your proximity to whatever you expect your retirement date will be. And so there are a couple of nice things about retirement, about target date funds. One is that they are really diversified, so they hold uh, stocks and bonds. They hold a globally diversified portfolio. And they come up with what is a sensible asset allocation mix given your life stage. So if you're, you're a younger person, say in your 30s and 40s, your target date fund will be mainly stocks. It'll have a health, healthy allocation to foreign stocks. And then it'll only gradually get more conservative as you get close to retirement. Another neat feature about target date funds or really any all-in-one fund like this is that it's periodically doing rebalancing back to the target allocation. 
And what that means in layperson's terms is that when stocks are down, because it's targeting a specific asset allocation mix, it's going back to that. So it's buying stocks for you, and it's doing something that we investors often have a hard time doing ourselves. We often don't feel comfortable adding to stocks. Well, the good news is that on those really bad days for the market, which are really advantageous to invest, the target date fund is actually doing the buying of stocks for you. So I like that idea of taking advantage of free advice. I've often urged investors, even if they want to retain a little bit more control over their portfolio than they get with a target date fund, look at what target date funds are uh, recommending in terms of asset allocations and use those to guide how you position your own portfolio. It's a way to piggyback on how professional asset allocators are allocating for people in your approximate age band. So that's um, a, a good way to take advantage of professional advice. I also want to talk a little bit about things to avoid doing in this situation, because when things are as volatile and uncertain as the market has been recently, sometimes we see people step up and make mistakes as well. So one key thing to think about is avoiding market timing. And basically, that means big all or nothing moves into or out of stocks. I think it might be tempting to try to maybe get your portfolio out of the market until this whole thing blows over and then maybe get back into a more stock-heavy portfolio later on. The trouble with that strategy, even though it sounds great, especially if you're a younger investor and haven't really tried this over a period of time, is that it's incredibly hard to do. So at Morningstar, we monitor a universe of what we call tactical asset allocation funds. These are funds that do strategies like this. And what we see when we monitor their performances, by and large, these professional money managers haven't done a great job with market timing. So really question whether you as an investor can do market timing yourself. My bias is to just set up what's called a dollar cost averaging plan. So you're socking money into the market at regular intervals in regular amounts, and you're not overthinking the timing piece of it. I also think it's important to avoid making really narrow bets. So avoid targeting specific sectors of the market or regions of the market or even individual stocks. If you're just starting out, the idea is that you want to try to diversify as quickly as possible. You want to try to globally diversify if you possibly can. So hold non-U.S. stocks as well as U.S. stocks. The best way to do that would be to buy some sort of a very broad mutual fund. Index tracking mutual funds are really great from this standpoint in that they give you super broad market exposure at a very low cost. So it's boring, I know, but my bias is to keep things really diversified and really vanilla from the standpoint of investment specifics. Maybe later on when your portfolio grows larger, you can add some of the more niche investments alongside your diversified investments. But when you're starting out, I think it makes sense to go big and go broad. How can retirees create an income stream when yields are low? Now I want to address a question I've been getting a lot from people who are already retired. And that is, how do you create a livable income stream from a portfolio in an era in which yields are really, really low today? 
So it's definitely a conundrum. And first, I want to talk about why this is happening. And there are a couple of big reasons. One is policy. So the Federal Reserve has its interest rate policy that it sets. And in an effort to stoke the economy and get people out there borrowing, it has pushed its target interest rate down near zero. So that's one reason. And then another key reason is that people have been gravitating to very safe investments. And the net effect of that is that it pushes up the prices of safer investments, but it also pushes down their yields. So this has made life really difficult for people who are retired and who had hoped to subsist, at least in part, on whatever income their portfolios throw off. So a couple of, piece of pieces of advice for people in this situation. First, I wouldn't expect it to get better overnight. There are a lot of headwinds facing the economy. I would expect that interest rates would stay down for a good long while here. And the fact is we have had a secular period of low interest rates. So it's something we've been living through for a while, but has, it has also gotten progressively worse over the past several years. I would also caution against really chasing things that have much more attractive yields than you can find on safer investments today. So given that we have seen some volatility in the market, we have seen yields rise on some types of investments. So junk bonds or low quality bonds have seen their yields pick up. Um, real estate investment trusts now have pretty nice yields attached to them. These securities might be part of your portfolio, but I think you want to be careful about trying to extract all of the income you need from your portfolio using very risky investments. In general, these investments are volatile and their fortunes tend to be really tied to what's going on in the economy and in the stock market. So when the economy is down and the stock market is down, the prices on these securities are often down as well. So be careful about just building a portfolio of high yielding investments. I think the best bet for retirees at this juncture is to take a step back and build a broadly diversified portfolio and bolt onto it a cash bucket that you can use for ongoing living expenses. In my work on Morningstar.com, I often talk a lot about this bucket strategy. And the basic idea is that I'm stepping back and thinking about how can I create a total return portfolio that is going to give me the best risk-adjusted return over my in-retirement time horizon, and then periodically prune from it whatever looks right for the picking. So maybe when yields get better, I'll be able to pull all of the income I need from yield-producing securities. In other environments, like in 2019, my best source of cash flow is the appreciated equity piece of my portfolio. So the virtue of having the cash bucket attached to the total return portfolio is that I can use that as kind of a buffer zone. If neither my income producing securities or my equity securities are performing particularly well. That's the basic setup that I talk about when I talk about building a bucket portfolio for retirement. And in the model portfolios that I've done along these lines, I've typically earmarked a couple of years worth of 
portfolio withdrawals and true cash investments. So no risk involved in these investments. I've just got uh, two years worth of portfolio withdrawals parked in CDs and money market funds, maybe online savings accounts, not taking any risk with this portion of the portfolio. And then I'm stepping out on the risk spectrum a little bit from there. So in my model portfolios, I've thought about having five to eight years worth of portfolio withdrawals in short and intermediate term high quality bonds. And the idea is that you're picking up a little bit more income and a little bit more volatility potential with this portion of the portfolio, but you're also protecting yourself a little bit from inflation. So you are giving yourself a little bit more return potential with this portion of the portfolio. So if you have that two years worth of cash and another five to eight years worth of short-term and intermediate-term high-quality bonds, you've essentially built yourself a runway of, say, seven to ten years worth of living expenses in safer investments. That way, if stocks go down and stay down for a good long while, you could spend through those first two buckets before you would need to touch the stock bucket. So with this bucket strategy, you are holding any money that you would need for the next, for 10 years and beyond of retirement, you're holding that in stocks, but you're giving yourself enough of a buffer to ensure that you're not needing to touch stocks when they're down. So that's the basic bucket setup. I've done a lot of different versions of this on Morningstar.com, not so much with an eye toward beating any other retirement income strategy that's ever been devised, but really as a means of showing investors how to create a sane portfolio in an era in which income production is really pretty sparse. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing comments. We have a lot more information along these lines, articles and videos on Morningstar.com. Please come visit us soon. That does it for this week's Investing Insights podcast from Morningstar. We hope you have enjoyed our program and we welcome your feedback. Please send your comments and questions to podcast at Morningstar.com. From everyone here at Morningstar, thanks for listening. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances.